Bill Robinson, or I can't take your call right now. Uh, if you leave your name and number, I will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Dr. Bill, it's Paul. We want to speak to you, and we promise not to yell at you. I, I didn't promise that. Back to the bin. Well, not that I trust anything coming out of DC Comics at all. Uh, two ninety nine claim. I, I will have to say that if they are going to take their books back to two ninety nine. Between that and returning Action Comics and Detective to their original numbering uh, are like the only two things that I saw of that. Then I went, huh, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I was just like, okay, this is um, this is the same old, same old. And boy, does Jeff seen Jones look as far tired. As content yet to make me have any kind of opinion on what they're doing, other than the fact that apparently the JSA is coming back, which that I like. Yeah, but, but that's the only content thing I've heard. What I heard, though, is that they're going to bring, if I'm understanding the concept, they're going to take the characters from the 40s and bring them to the present. Okay, so this way you're going to have the classic characters, but have them be young? Yeah. I could, deal with, I could deal with that rather than have, you know, the, uh, the way that they were presenting the characters on Earth 2 in the New 52. And I understand, I, I stopped reading it, but I understand the stories were good, but they were not the JSA characters that yeah, I... Yeah, that's the funny thing about that book, is it was one of the best written books of the New 52. Now, that's a low bar, so I'm not quite, you know, I'm, I, I realize that's probably not saying too Which much. Which book is this? Uh, er, uh, the, the Earth 2 book. and uh -huh. the, But the Earth 2 book and the World's Finest yeah. with Huntress and Power Girl... Uh, Levitz was writing that, and it was it was really solid. It was a it was always entertaining. It was kind of nice to see that dynamic back. But like everything else with the new Fifty Two, it felt like I was looking at a poorly painted version of my childhood. And I'm not and I'm not saying like DC ruined my childhood because I'm definitely not one of these people that. I hate that actually. <laughs> you know, George uh, Lucas ruined my <laughs> George Lucas ruined my childhood. No, he didn't. <laughs> you. No, George, um, Lu George Lucas actually made your childhood really good by giving you Star Wars. Yeah. Now let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah. But um, but it was just like you know, like like the feeling was there, and you had one of the classic writers there, but n but knowing that it was coming from a place of not really being Earth 2. It was kind of like, and I know Scott agrees with me on this, it's kind of like reading that uh, an, that JSA annual that Ordway drew, where they brought Earth 2 back. And it was fine, but it just felt weird. I remember you saying the same thing, or something similar, Scott. Say this, I'm sorry, say that again? That, that, that Justice Society annual that Ordway drew during the whole... Oh, yeah. It, it was just off somehow, and I, I couldn't... You know, that'd be an interesting book to, to bring to a show sometime. 
Yeah. Because I couldn't tell you why, but it, it just, instead of giving me the warm fuzzies, it just depressed me. It made me <laughs> really, really sad because, you know, it, it was getting the old gang back together again and realizing that, um, that you can't, you just can't go home, you know? There was just there was a vital ingredient missing somehow, and I couldn't tell you what it was because the art was fantastic. All the characters were back. I'm trying to remember who the hell wrote that. Was that Perez? No, that was that was Johns. Johns, okay. Johns wrote well, it, and Ordway drew it. it. But you know, there was there was like absolutely nothing to fault about it, except that it just didn't work. You know, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to examine that sometime. We should do that. Because because uh, I've often wondered, what, what was it that didn't work? And what's funny is that while there were a lot of people, you know, singing the praises of it, at the same rate, I did notice that I was not alone. That there were, there were a number of people that felt the same way. That somehow it just, you know, it, it was hollow. You know what I mean? I think we should cover that book because I don't know that there's a correlation between the two. But I think every time we cover a JSA book on bins, Tales of the JSA comes off of hiatus. So if we cover that, maybe you guys will start doing some tales again. Uh, I you wish. Sneaky bastard. Now I was talking about that with uh, with Shag the other night. Actually, we were he's starting up a the Blahaha podcast. It's a monthly oh, yeah, show yeah. where he's he's going through. Uh, I think Scott participated in the trailer. I did. Um, uh, and uh, we were just kind of talking about where, you know, where, where we were both standing in terms of podcasting and things we're going to, you know, we'd like to do and all that. And I was just like, you know, Tales is always, I'm, you know, just whenever Scott and I can find the time, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and I am not in any way, shape, form or fashion trying to, trying to, um, what is that? Uh, like push him or anything because well, I'm uh, trying to push him. Push well, I would right don't get me wrong. I would love to, but the biggest reason I, I haven't, um, you know, contacted Mike uh, about resuming it is pretty much the same reason why two true freaks hasn't had shit out since episode 500 is it's at this time. It's just kind of accepting my limitations is that I, I think at the moment, I'm much better off doing this type of show, you know, in this type of format where it's, you know, grab a book, read it, try to slap together a quick synopsis and a few notes and and sit down and record and that's it. But anything that's going to require any time at the moment, I I frankly just don't have it. That's that's my biggest problem right now. I'd love to get back to, you know, some of the bigger projects that we were working on. And I, I don't think personally, I, I can't speak for Mike, but personally for me, I don't think there was a bigger project than, than, uh, where tails was right now. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to half-ass it. So no, I would rather let it sit and, and, you know, run that risk of it, it falling into, you know, obscurity and being forgotten and having to start all over and build the fan base all over. I would rather that happen than half-ass this project, you know? Vin's benefits, because you could half-ass Vin's. <laughs> well, no, but but the thing is, is like, for me, you know, I, I, took a, I took a long, hard look at myself 
at the at my podcasting at the end of last year and you know kind of like losing your job and like go <laughs> like and your life changing suddenly kind of puts things into a weird perspective and i was just like you know and I, and i sat down and i was like okay tales is always there when we get back to it and i'm like you i don't want to half ass it i don't want to do like 3 episodes and then don't do anything for 6 months uh, I'd rather have a consistent release schedule, especially with Crisis. Uh, I'd rather have that happen. So what I and I was just like, but I'm doing too many shows, and I need to fo- and 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 I need to focus on what I can focus on. So I kind of canceled Bailey's Batman podcast. Not that I was really doing anything with it, but what that oddly let me feel is like, okay even though I wasn't really doing it, it wasn't something hanging, you know, I wasn't Marley with the chains, you know, the podcasting chains around my neck. Um, and if I want to talk about Batman, I could do it on views from the long box. So I've really, uh, I mean, Paul can attest. We recorded three weeks ago and that episode came out this week. Yeah. That was a quick turnaround. Um, because that's what I'm trying to do. So, um, you know, and really doing the Star Wars shows helped jumpstart that. So I want to thank Scott, you, Scott, for for being part of that because uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We need uh, some more together. Yeah. So uh, oh, there's there's plenty of stuff. I got Captain America stuff, and mm. I got uh, uh, you know, I've done the X Men stuff I want to do. Because I was going to make May, like, X-Men month, and then I realized, you know, the, the two episodes that I recorded with John and Dave are going to be enough. Because, frankly, I'm not... I'm not holding out hope for Apocalypse at this point. Uh, it looks interesting, but the more I think about it, the more I realize I am so geared up for Civil War that... Oh, yes. <laughs> that, uh, that, that Apocalypse is going to be like this kind of... Like, okay, I can get to that on DVD. Or Blu-ray, <laughs> but you know there, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening with Civil War, and uh, you know Guardians just uh, started filming around here. In fact, somebody, and and I only mentioned this because Scott and I actually went to this place together. Somebody ca- snapped a picture of James Gunn at Oxford, uh-huh. in Atlanta. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I was like, See, "Hey, I'm I'm away!" And then all the cool shit starts happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm you... at, it's it's weird. I mean, like Walking Dead leaves, but Marvel comes to town, and I'm just like, "That's a trade off I'll take." Oh yeah. <laughs> did you get? Did either of you guys uh, get to Deadpool? Uh, there is so much bone breaking in that film that that was not something Rachel and I were going to see in the theater. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. If you're going to see it, you're going to have to see it without Rachel. She's yeah. not going to sit through that. And I didn't want, because, but the thing is, the sad thing about it is that she started seeing commercials for it and really thought it looked funny. It is. It is. And, and if not for her sensitivity to that, uh, I would say she'd be fine and she'd enjoy it. But, but having heard about how she reacts to that, I don't think she would be able to get the enjoyment that she should from the movie. So, but I mean, it looked, it looked great. I'm glad it did so well. Um, I don't say how people say it's doing better than star Wars. No. Um, I really don't understand that because star Wars, you know, if JJ Abrams and, and, and Disney and everybody involved with that film, bringing that film out, if, if they did, if anything came from it, 
at least now Avatar is not the most profitable <laughs> film ever. Well, the, you know? the, the only scale that you can say where it's more successful and it's more successful than a lot of movies is my understanding is the budget for Deadpool was $40 million, which is, is really a small budget by today's standards. And with the money it's made... You know, it's multiplied its its yeah. budget by quite a few times. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet it was probably you know the the movie itself was forty million, and then they probably they did a shitload of promotion for that film, so they were dropping yeah, some cash. God damn it! Um, what? Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot I wasn't muted. So I'm 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 sorry. I totally interrupted you, and I didn't mean to. I'm just I'm sitting here and I'm watching two auctions as they're ticking down to their final seconds here. And I'm looking at a Superman 157, which I've been trying to get for ever. And I'm just about to bid on it. And I realized, oh, current bid is actually more than I was about to bid on it. So I'm like, shit. So I lost that one. So the other one that I have that I've been watching for, I don't know, like nine days or something is in its final moments. And somebody just outbid me on that one. And I'm not willing to go any higher on that one. So Is that the, the Quixel? Yes. Issue? Okay. Yes. I need that book so bad, you know, because I'm coming up on that fast on the um, I've got a few things to say about Superman. And I'd really like to own the actual issue, you know, to cover that story. I mean, I know that sounds silly. I have it reprinted in whatever the hell book it was first reprinted in Superman, like thing is like 221 or something like that but i you know i'd love to have the original because that's one of my favorite superman stories you know it would just be nice to actually own the original book yeah but i can't put a finger to it you know and and, and i'm you know you know me i'm cheap i don't want to spend a lot for it i you know for something like that about five bucks maybe six if it was in really sweet condition but about five bucks is what i'm looking at and i always miss the thing by you know just pennies and that's all it is now i mean it's it's a hair over well actually it just closed it closed at let me see what is 285 plus 350 what is that 635 something yeah. like that yeah so yeah just just slightly like plus it wasn't the greatest copy in the world so i wasn't i wasn't looking to spend a lot there's another one that closes in less than a week that i'm watching right now there's no bids on it I'm going to go in and I'm bid $6 now. Yeah. Just to be a prick. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I've been trying to score forever, and I know this won't mean much to you guys, but it's um, for Disney Infinity, one of the rarest. Actually, I think it is the rarest um, and most coveted of the power discs is the Infinity Gauntlet. And I want that so bad, but I can't justify the prices it goes for. I cannot recommend lego avengers enough yeah logan um, just played through the um god what was that one lego superheroes and uh, marvel superheroes and absolutely yeah. loved it so he wants that but that's that's going to be for his birthday if there's if a price comes down uh i i like how they have done the free roaming worlds better in this yeah. one because you spend like you spend like sixty goddamn hours in Manhattan in the first one, and <laughs> it was fun. But after a while, I'm like, there's only so many races. Okay, so here is one. It's got all of the music from the movies. Oh, nice! So when you turn it on, it's the Alan Silvestri Avengers theme. 
Nice. And when you play in Avengers 2, it's Avengers 2 music. When you're in the Cap thing, you hear Cap music and Iron Man and all that. Um, all Most of the dialogue is from the original actors. Uh, the only glaring one that really, I was like, Jesus, could you have gotten somebody to please sound a little like Gwyneth Paltrow? Because that person doesn't sound like Gwyneth Paltrow. Mark Hamill plays Arnim Zola. Huh. Does he do it like the Joker? No, but once you know Mark Hamill's voice, you right. can tell it's Mark Hamill with a German accent. Um, so the moment it won me over completely is it got to you get to the end of the Avengers level, and of course they're doing scenes from the movie. And it's Avengers Age of Ultron. And the Hulk is flying off in the plane. It's the moment in the film that I actually got the closest to choking up because I was really invested in, in the black widow, Bruce Banner relationship. Um, and the Hulk shuts down the communicator, uh, in the film. You guys remember that part? Yep. <laughs> Scott's uh-huh. getting all choked up though. Okay. So he does that. And then he takes out a cassette tape. He pops it into the player and you hear the lonely man music from the Hulk TV show. Oh, sweet. Okay, so then we're we're just we're just tooling around the the free roaming worlds, and I start unlocking Union Jack and the original Human Torch and Spitfire and uh, like all of the, the Blazing Skull. So I'm like, holy shit, we got the Invaders up in this joint, and it was just it's a lot of fun. And the great thing about it to me is that the ground races that you have to do you know those missions where you have to run and run through the little oh you know like the little things and it dings in the crowd you don't have to drive a vehicle you can run with one of the speedster characters so instead of driving a motorcycle and crashing and and screwing up i just hop into spitfire and run through the thing it's great (laughs) i'm loving it i know we're having a lot of fun it's it's nice because you know, there's no Fantastic Four characters. There's no X-Men characters, uh, which is the big difference from the from the Marvel one. Because I, I got to say, if, if Lego Marvels did, did anything to me, it made me want the X-Men and the Fantastic Four under the Marvel Cinematic Umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> because, and really, what, 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 this is the funniest thing. The, the thing that made me want it the most is I want to see a live-action version of that Simonson issue of Thor during the mutant massacre where he comes upon the, uh, the, uh, whatever that group was called, the Marauders had just pinned angel to the wall. Right. And Thor shows up and beats everyone down. (laughs) I want that live action so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just Chris Helmsworth coming in and I say thee nay and throwing that hammer down. God. Uh, but I, I, I'm... Think, I think eventually, I mean, if if the whole thing lasts long enough, which at this point, it certainly seems like it has that potential to last mm-hmm. long enough. I, I think eventually we will see um, the other properties integrated. Uh, maybe, maybe not the X-Men for a while, unless, you know, this next one comes out and seriously tanks. But then again, even if it does, Deadpool just made what? You yeah. know, half a million um, or half a billion rather. So, um, but I think, uh, depending on how, um, 
Civil War does, you know, with the Spider-Man angle and and what's in it for Fox and all that, I think what's what's quickly going to follow is that you're going to see Fox scrambling to cut, um, or did I say Fox with Spider-Man? Sony, I meant. Um, yeah. I think you're quickly going to see Fox scrambling to try to cut a deal with Marvel for uh, for the FF because they can't seem to get anything off the ground on their own. So, you know, it's in their best interests, you know, even if they have to share profit, you know, to do something with it. So yeah, I, I think everybody's going to win on that one because you, you're going to have people that are going to give a shit about the property instead of constantly trying to make it something it's not. And right. I, I'm one of the guys that liked parts of both of the, you know, the, the fantastic four and rise of the silver surfer. There was a lot they got right. There was just right. so much they got wrong. That was the problem. Right. Uh, I would have been, been okay with both of those had they had a better Dr. Doom. Well, had the first one not felt like a TV pilot. Right, yeah. You know, it, I could have even dealt with that if Dr. Doom was better. If they yeah, had they, gotten Dr. Doom right, I would have been fine with both of those I, I, You know, that's a, that's a franchise. It's funny you say that because... I have great affection for both of those movies while clearly acknowledging the faults and the shortcomings of them. That's a franchise that I think could have benefited from one more movie because if you look at the first movie and what they got wrong, I think there was a genuine effort with the second one to address some of those issues. I'm not saying they got, they fixed everything, but I think they addressed a lot of the issues because I think Doom is a hell of a lot better in the second one than he is in the first one. Is he perfect? No, but he's closer in that second one. He may be slightly better in the second one, but I still think he's way, way off. Yeah. I, you know, I, he is, but I, I tell you where, where they really generated a lot of goodwill with me with Doom in the second one is when Doom finally shows his true colors and he's trying to usurp um, the surfer's powers and he steals his board and all that. Because that's right out of the comics. I really yeah. that. That was It weird. is. But first of all, every time Doom spoke, it was wrong. <laughs> right. Well, he you doesn't know, sound I, like Andy Leyland, so... <laughs> uh, well, well, more than that, he was... The thing... I never understand the gestalt of Doom until between Hey Kids Comics and Alan Middleton. They're the <laughs> ones that, that really kind of, you know, it's not like I ever hated Dr. Doom because he's one of the classic bad guys. You know, you, it, it's, it's like, I hate Peter the Apostle. You know, if you're into that, if you're into that thing, you like all 13, you know, so. Except for that right. Judas. Well, even him, he's got. Yeah, screw that guy. Well, at least he can pay for dinner. So, uh, but I'm going to totally tangent here. Do you ever hear Father Guido Sarducci when he talks about the Last Supper? No. He he talks about how they found the bill from the Last Supper, <laughs> and you could see right down here on the bottom, it's got the bill amount, and then they divided it by thirteen. So he's like, he's like, they didn't even treat Jesus. <laughs> but uh. But but I, I now kind of get him in the problem I had with him. It, it's sad. It, it's so sad that the closest we ever got to seeing like classic FF on the screen is the Corman film. Yeah. And the special effects in that thing are atrocious. But the heart of that film 
is <coughs> steeped in wanting to be an FF movie. You know, the actors look like they were engaged. And here's the thing. The only reason I can really get through uh, the first and the second, and especially this, the, the second one, is that I, I love Chris Evans and Michael Chiklis as the thing in the Human Torch. Yep. <laughs> you know, Chiklis was Ben Grimm. Like, that is Dina Meyer as Barbara Gordon, uh, Sam Elliott as General Thunderbolt Ross, you know, level casting there. Like, they're, <laughs> I'm like, but this I, is going to be... I didn't even mind, what is it, Ian or Ewan Grofeld? Yeah. Richards? Because he, he looked like him. Yeah, and I he didn't was, even... I liked him. Jessica I, I Alba I wasn't crazy about, but she didn't bother me either. She at least... She at least felt like Sue Storm. You know, it's 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 kind of funny. I know that I, I never bought her and, and, and Johnny as brother and sister. Um, but, you know, she had that kind of exacerbated quality that Sue, especially during the burn run, would have. You know, it, you know, she she was kind of she was she was never a shrinking violet. And, you know, I thought the dynamic between the cast was great. I thought the special effects for that time were fantastic, but it all felt so small. And I'm sorry, if you're doing the FF, you go big or you get the out of there. Yep. Because they are all about, I mean, I've been listening to interviews with Jeff Loeb, who I still think it's funny is, is the one story he talks about when he was a kid reading comics is your favorite Superman story of, uh, the, the, the virus X. Oh, really? being launched into space. Yeah, he, he apparently wrote his mother from camp to pick up the next chapter. Um, huh. But, you know, he talks about, and, and, and Andy, and I'm getting into the kind of catching up on the Fantastic cast, and by catching up, I mean starting at, at episode 30 when I had left off and trying to catch up to episode 160-something. But, uh, but they're getting into the point of you know they're 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 into the 40s where i'm listening to them and every concept is huge every concept builds on itself you know the how they didn't do a frightful 4 is beyond me i mean there's your movie you know and i, I was of the opinion that your second film shouldn't have been the silver surfer but straight up a scroll invasion right you know where now they're heroes you can play with the idea of these aliens coming in and impersonating them, and the big bad is the Super Scroll. I mean, you have most of the special effects built in, but they never, they never went big. Even with the Silver Surfer, they didn't go big. It was all so insular, and 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 it was all Earth based, and you know, it wasn't Reed Richards with the ultimate nullifier, you know, stopping. Galactus. Cloud Lactus. Cloud Lactus. And and boy, was that a bunch of... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I understand you don't want a guy wearing that outfit. With a big G on his belt. With a big G on his belt. But come on. But... I, You know what I, I kind of thought they should have done on that? In, uh, what's it, the final, Star Trek, the final frontier, Star Trek V? Mm-hmm. The way they had the faux god character at the end and you just kind of saw his face in the clouds... Yeah, and they had the voice with the you know the really resonant kind of almost echo to sound to it. I thought you could have done Galactus like that, and he still would have been kind of humanoid, but also something more would have been better than what they did. Oh no I mean, question. 
I mean, and I liked, and I liked. Well, you know, just said him as a giant being. Who cares? Why not? But uh, but I liked, I liked the Silver Surfer <coughs> in that movie, and the score of that movie is amazing. The only thing I didn't like about the Silver Surfer was when he shows his history on his belly button. I thought <laughs> I it was kind of stupid. Time. Scott, HR is going to get involved at some point. <laughs> I just want to tell you this. I'm sorry, but. Um, but I, I, I didn't like Doom. I do like the fact that they stayed true to the story that he stole surface powers and all. But I, I, he was just so horribly miscast. Yeah, that was that was one of those Hollywood attempts at you know making it realistic. And I'm sorry, Doctor Doom is not is over the top. And if you don't buy into that, you shouldn't be dealing with the character, right? Because that's what he is. He is an over-the-top villain, and he's he not is, a yuppie. He's not a yuppie. He's not, you know, dude from Nip Tuck, you know, uh, you know, coming in and, and, and being all upset because he's got a little boo-boo that turns into a big boo-boo. But, you know, he is a guy that is obsessed with power. And, and feels to, it's rightfully his. Yes. And will do anything and hates Reed Richards. <laughs> so... I never got the sense that he hated Reed Richards. No, I got it was the more sense. like he was a bully against Reed Richards. And and that's because Reed, in the comics, Reed always stood right up to him. At least in the old, you know, the 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 classic days. I don't know what ha- I don't know if there was anything weird in the '90s or whatever. But you know, it, it's kind of funny. I, I reread a couple a year or so ago. I reread the first issue of the Heroes Reborn Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And I went, you know, this feels like a '90s Michael Bay version of the FF, <laughs> but goddamn, it's entertaining. It and was, it, it was, it wasn't as bad as it's another one that was not as bad as it was made out to be. It just wasn't as good as they hoped it would be. Right. Well, and there was a lot of politics involved. I mean, you know, when you, when you go back to the two guys that left your company and said, "Save us!" that that can't do well for morale with the rest of the company. Uh, have have either of you seen the abortion that is the Josh Trank Fantastic Four? No, I refused. I just when I, I didn't watched, I didn't pay any money to see it, but I did manage to see it. When I heard that it's clobbering time was what Ben Grimm's brother would say before he hit him, I was just like, "You lost me right there." <laughs> well, Josh Trank had no desire whatsoever to tell a Fantastic Four movie, at least in the first two. The uh, What's his name? Uh, Tim Story. Tim Story like the FF. Yeah, he tried to make a Fantastic Four movie in both of them and may have made some decisions or had some situations that kind of made it not a total success. Uh, Josh Trank had no desire to make a Fantastic Four movie at all. He had a desire to make the movie he wanted to make and just kind of forced the you know forced a, a square peg into a round hole to try and make it into a fantastic four movie and it fails on so many levels even at the beginning of the movie uh, and if you listen to most of the reviews or if you read most of the reviews they say that you know the first two acts of it are far superior to the final act which is true but the first two acts are not fantastic four acts anyway they're just you know it, it just it, it has so little to do with the source material. It's terrible, and and, and what what it does have to do with this, the only source material it touches on at all is the Ultimate Fantastic Four, which I think was a poorly written take on the Fantastic Four anyway. 
Yeah, that's the thing, is that there were some Ultimate books that I liked. I, I still hold that Ultimate Spider-Man is a good read. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, you know... Even the first two go-rounds on the Ultimates I thought were good read. Yeah, the only problem there is is that they do things with the Hulk that make me want to punch Mark Miller right in the face. So, um, Go ahead, man. It's all right. <laughs> but, you, uh, you, you, we're not going to stop you. <laughs> because because I, I, you know, the Hulk's my favorite Marvel character, like bar none. Like, you know, I, you know of the Marvel books I own, I have, like, complete run from 200 all the way up through... The um, I got the Jason Aaron series. I haven't read it yet, but I was buying that. Uh, so basically, like, you know, like 30, 30 some odd years of the Hulk. I love that character. And to turn him into what they turned him into uh, bothered me. But that was the, the thing about the Ultimates is that it was entertaining and there's echoes of it in the cinematic world. Mm-hmm. But. The, the the genius of Joss Whedon is he looked at that and he was like, yeah, that's kind of interesting. How about we do it more like a Marvel book? Yes. <laughs> and and there, I you know, it's like even, you know, we did the uh, commentary years ago for the Ultimate Avengers movie. And that was like a more palatable version of the Ultimates to me. Like, I enjoyed that because mm-hmm. Cap wasn't a complete... And the Hulk wasn't somebody that tore through New York City in a 9-11 rage. Yeah, they, they really did take your two favorite Marvel characters and beat them up a little. Yeah, like, like the best thing Cap did, really, was kick Ant-Man's ass after he sprayed Jan with, 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 in, with roach spray. And, and, and let me tell you how much I hate that. So Yeah. Right. All right, so, so you know what? I, I, I'm, you, you've convinced me. I'm taking back some of my praise of the Ultimate Books. No, but structurally... They're solid. Getting that group together and fighting the Chitari is a good plot to have. And that first issue is great. I love the World War II issue. But they they did certain, you know, when, when you get to uh, that FF book, I tried reading the first trade and I couldn't get through it. It was like when I was trying to read Morrison's X-Men work. I was just like, I was like two issues in going, wow, this is nothing of what this concept is for me. I'm out. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. There are people granted that... Ex- lo- I was just going to say, granted, my exposure to it, uh, to the Ultimate Universe, was not great. Um, but I sampled pieces here, there, and everywhere. Um, the only thing that ever worked for me was uh, the Ultimates, you know, the Avengers, uh, and just that first one. But even that one, I completely agree with you, Mike. The things, the things that that bug you are largely the things that bug me. And I think, you know, taking the the Marvel universe as it stood at the time, and saying, you know, this is just far too uh, unwieldy. It has too much history. It has all this baggage and everything. We need to scrape off the barnacles and and do a fresh new take. And then doing that fresh new take and doing nothing but making topical reference after topical reference after topical reference that are horribly dated 10 or 15 years later to the point where some, you know, some of it's laughable and some of it's like, who the are they referencing was just as big a mistake, you know? So, you know, I, I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. But to me, 
what you know the legacy you know the great legacy of the ultimates was ultimately everything that kind of spun out of it as far as <clears throat> interpretations in other media you know like what was the the animated movies ultimate avengers ultimate avengers yeah i i loved both of those you know the first one far more than the second but i'd still love them both and i like the mcu approach where they kind of pick and choose you know, so a lot of people say that that you know the the MCU universe is really the Ultimates, but it's really not. They've no. they've taken a lot of elements from it, but at the end of the day, it's a nice amalgam of both universes. And I tend to think that it, it leans closer to the classic Marvel universe than it does to the Ultimates universe. Although I definitely see where there are elements of that, but I think a lot of that, what people are mistaking for. Oh, this is just the Ultimates. Honestly, what it is is it's the Hollywoodization, you know, taking some of the the more far out concepts, or frankly, some of the goofier concepts, and kind of taming them down a little bit to make them more palatable in motion picture form. Well, I think it, you you could break it down by the characters. Even Iron Man, Iron Man is far closer to the classic Marvel character than he is to the Ultimate, yeah. as far as his origin and everything. Right, uh, Thor, I think, is closer to the classic Marvel, other than the Don Blake aspect of it. Right, Cap, I think, other than like Mike said in the Ultimate Universe, Cap is kind of a uh, other than that. I think it's more similar to the Ultimate version. See, the only re- way I would disagree with that is when Cap and Bruce Banner were introduced to each other in the first Avengers film. Uh Cap in the Ultimate Universe seemed to have no time for this, you know, the Bruce Banner that was of that universe. There was well, that, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you that he was an a- in the Ultimate Universe, yeah. and that they got rid of. They made him yeah. into, into the good guy that he is in the movie. He Marvel is. Universe. I will say he is more of a soldier <coughs> in the movies, uh, but that kind of works to his advantage. I, I, I think it's what makes Winter Soldier. I mean, ultimately, Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, and it's nothing against Guardians of the Galaxy, because I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but ultimately, Winter Soldier, you know, it's one of my favorite characters, and it was such a great take on that character where he was going to burn the village down to save it. And right. he was the one that made that decision. He was the one that made the tough call, and that's kind of what a hero does. And, you know... But he was more military. I mean, he was serving with S.H.I.E.L.D. and going on missions and fighting Batroc and, you know, and, and being, you know, that, that, that mil- even when he's with the Avengers, he's got that kind of, you know, military vibe about him. But uh, right. he's just so goddamn cheery that you can't. <laughs> he, he, he is the best amalgam of the two. I'll agree with you on that, Paul. He is a good amalgam of the, of the two concepts. Um, and and I, and I think the concept of the Avengers is closer to the ultimate thought that they're basically kind of an offshoot of a government agency, or at least they're government-sponsored, which, you know, when the Avengers first came around, it was just, you know, we think we could serve people by getting together. You know, in, in this, kind of the government put them together, which is the way it happens in the ultimate book. Yeah. So, and- but But other than that, I don't see a lot of ultimatization of them. Well, you know, just by mixing Loki into Chitari, 
perfectly. I mean, there wasn't even a that wasn't even a forced thing. That was a okay. We got these two concepts. Let's make them work together. And they made him work. You know, the Chitauri are an alien be- race. Okay, perfect. They're going to be the invading force. They're going to be what the Hulk hits. You know, but Loki's ultimately behind getting this team together. You know, it was it was, it was a perfect synthesis of that. And you know, I I am so in love with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'm finally caught up on it. I finally got to see Ant Man. What'd you uh, think? I loved it. Oh God, <laughs> I loved it. Isn't that a good flick? Uh, the weird part was that sequence where he's fighting the Falcon. Mm-hmm. I looked at Rachel. I go, I know exactly where that is. That's 15 minutes from where we are right now, because <laughs> I recognize that tree line. They filmed that in the back of the uh, on the back of the lot. <laughs> That's funny. And I have driven, and I was just like, and just the way it looked, I'm like, yep, this is Georgia. This isn't San Francisco. This is Georgia. <laughs> That's cool. So, but no, I loved it. I, I loved, you know, the surprise of it was how much I liked Michael Douglas in it. Oh, he was excellent. Yeah. yeah. When he put that dude's face into the desk at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, this is okay. This well, is, I that's... like that they finally were able to demonstrate that the the technology from Tron Legacy really can work and be pulled off without kind of the creepiness that they had to deal with uh, with Tron Legacy. And, you know, the, the technology was there, but it wasn't quite there with Legacy, you know, to de-age um, Flynn, you know. I mean, it, it worked for what they were trying to do in that movie for the most part, but it had a certain creepy, yeah. unreal quality to it, whereas... You know, I know people that that didn't even realize with the Michael Douglas stuff that it's like they caught them later. They were like, holy shit, you know, I just realized something that, you know, Michael Douglas is, you know, looks like what he looks like in the rest of that movie. So how did they do that at the beginning, you know? And that's that was the magic trick is that, you know, all that at the beginning was all de-aging CGI and it's flawless. I mean, it really looked good. From from a character point of view, I liked that they showed him to be kind of seething and with a little bit of an explosive temper, but right. not a wife beating. Right. Yeah, that was refreshing because I'm sick of that whole thing. So you know, I I thought that was you know I thought they got a good balance on that also, and and they leave the, they left themselves open to do some prequel movies if they decide to. I mean, I don't know that you can get Michael Douglas to do a whole movie de-aged, but you know, if you recast right. the part for a prequel, you you know, you could do that. Were you the one that told me about the Easter egg in that film? I'm not sure which Easter egg you mean. Apparently, and I forget who I was talking to that told me about this. <laughs> Apparently, when Paul Rudd goes subatomic, there is a point where you see Jan in her costume. Really? While he's shrinking down. No, that wouldn't have been me. I'm going to have to look for that now because I did not catch that. And it's funny because watching that, I've only seen it twice. I I saw it in the theater and then I saw it, you know, we've watched it. um, Actually, no, I take that back. I think I've watched it three times. I think I've seen it twice on Blu-ray. 
But anyway, watching that on the big screen in in the cinema, that was something that I was watching for because I fully expected that to happen. And then it doesn't. So, yeah, I'm going to have to give it a rewatch and really like frame per frame it and see if I can find that in there because that that was something I fully did expect was going to come out of that scene, you know, is that he would find her and and maybe even rescue her. Well, well, the funny part for me was somebody was just like, well, it's just like Iron Man. And I went, yeah, so I liked Iron Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your point? What's your point? Yeah, exactly. it's, it's like, look, these films are doing exactly what they need to do. And, you know, it's really funny over over the holidays, uh, you know, since we got the Blu-ray player and, and I finally because somebody somebody sent me Dark World, like a DVD of, of Thor Dark World. So I finally got to see that, too. Um, which I really enjoyed much more than I thought I was going to. Like yeah, that I got a bad rap, and I'm not. I can't quite figure out why that one gets a bad rap. I enjoyed the crap out of it. I thought <clears> the music was great. I thought they kept the scope of the grandeur of Asgard. Uh, yeah, I liked. I liked Eccleston as the villain. Uh, I liked, you know, I thought Lord Eccleston was underplayed. Uh, I, 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 liked, I thought he could have been more menacing and a little bit more. Fo- there could have been a little bit more focus on him. But eh, I, I can kind of see that. Sorry, I, and I'm just. I'm kind of. The only reason I don't want to watch that movie is that the Dark World uh, level on the Lego game is kind of a pain in the ass, and I don't. It's just going <laughs> to remind me of that. But, but no, it's just like you know. I, I think of all of these films, and it's amazing because. I can think of the four Batman films of the 89 to 97 line. I can think of the four Superman films that Christopher Reeve was in. And while I like them all, and I'll say good things about the bad ones, in terms of consistent quality, all of the Marvel films have been great. Like, there's things to pick apart here and there, but I haven't watched one where I didn't end it and go, damn, that was fun. Like, everyone was ba- bad-mouthing Iron Man 3, and I enjoyed the crap out of that movie. Well, Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, I had a similar experience with both, that I saw it in the theater, walked away slightly underwhelmed, and eventually watched it at home and enjoyed it much, much more than I did in the first viewing. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, with, with Thor The Dark World, my, my biggest criticism of the movie would be its attempts at humor, I thought, fell flat. Uh, I thought the uh, what's his name the the professor running around his, in his underwear was just dumb, and I could could not stand Darcy. Yeah, she. I wish she had not come back from the first one. Yeah, and Other not, than I, those I, things, I, I like the movie. So <laughs> I mean, she's don't get me wrong; she's great to look at and everything. And if she'd been played closer to the way that she was in the first Thor, then I think I would have liked her, but bringing her back and, and going straight for, okay, she's just relegated to comedy relief at this, at this time. And she's going to be kind of over the top and ridiculous. And yeah, that, that was one of the things that didn't work for me, but there's far more for that movie that works for me than doesn't work for me. I, I really, I enjoy that one a lot. And that's the way they that's made, one of those they made Loki that, a, a more complex character too. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah, now all of a sudden he's works. working with Thor, he's working against Thor, he's working with him and, again. But, the, the scene the where, where he's he's in the cell and he looks like nothing's wrong and then you see, you know, really how he looks, you know, that he's all disheveled and everything, but he had an illusion over it. Yeah. I thought that was great. 
Well, I, well when he turns I into like, Steve Rogers. Uh, yeah, okay. And let me tell you, that was one of the things that it was like they pulled in Chris Evans just to walk on in that scene. And you know what? That is the beauty of this universe is that you can do that because yep. then it, fe- it, it feels like comic books. Like they're films and they're shot as films, but they give me that same sense of the comics. It's like, you know, everyone, like when Iron Man 3 came out, well, why didn't Cap or Thor or whatever come and help him? I go, because it's his solo title. <laughs> yep. And, and and I don't know why. And, and here's the thing. I could see civilians, for lack of a better term. And I know that's kind of, that makes me sound kind of pretentious, and it's not. I could see regular people who are not as steeped into the material looking in that and thinking that. Other, but comic book fans saying it, I'm like, well, why doesn't Cap just show up in Iron Man's book every month? Because he's busy fighting his own villains. Yeah, exactly. There's a timeline with that where I think Dark World was taking place at the exact same time. So Thor's out of it. Uh, And, you know, you're not going to pull the Hulk into everything because the Hulk is a wild card. (laughs) So, But let me tell you, I have said this to so many people expecting a negative reaction. I am now dying for a hint. Uh, And I don't want to see him. But I want a hint of Red Hulk in Civil War now that they got Thunderbolt Ross involved. Because the idea of doing a Red Hulk, Green Hulk movie just has me. I'm kind of expecting to see that, to be honest with you. Not not necessarily in this film, because I think this film is already a little little bloated, but... uh, yeah, I'm I'm expecting that's going to happen at some. I'm almost I'm almost of the opinion that that's the whole reason that Ross is returning in the first place is that that's a direction that they're going to want to go at some point. Let me ask you: You guys have seen the trailers and such. Uh huh. Did any of you get, or did either of you? Because there's only two of you, so any is probably a bad thing to say. You know, I know this is supposed to be somewhat a Civil War riff, uh, but good. Um. Are you getting a captain vibe out of it too? With them telling him, you know, with Ross telling him, well, you're, you, you're, you're, you work for the United States government. You're going to do what we say. Right. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it from the captain point of view, but I definitely see the, obviously, the rebellion. And he could say, I mean, captain was almost like, we own the cat, we own the character. (laughs) So you can't be him unless you're doing what we want. I don't know if they're going to take it that far. But it's just, there's like echoes of that. And I kind of like mixing those two concepts together. Well, could you, could you make him, you know, become nomad? <laughs> he's going to walk away at the end of the film and become nomad. And he's going to wear that thing where his chest is exposed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so he's, just as so long as somebody digs out the Dr. McCoy's medallion from Star Trek, the motion picture out of mothballs <laughs> and makes him wear that too. I totally go for that. <laughs> but I mean, in effect, the, the one when he becomes nomad and the one where he becomes the captain, the, you know, those two storylines are very similar in, yeah. in, in a lot of respects. So, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I could see that way, you know, where he's, he's basically telling the government, screw you. I, I stand for America, not for the American government. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I got to say that Super Bowl spot 
uh, I was like really enjoying it. And then there was the thing where Tony puts on the glove and uh, Bucky fires the gun and the look on Robert Downey Jr.'s face. Like, I almost got shot in the face. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be so freaking good. My biggest problem with it from everything I've seen, it, I, I think it needs to be six hours long. <laughs> to, to do it justice, I, I, I have I have trusted. You know these these people have done enough to make me trust them. That if it does go bad, I'm going to be surprised. But I think, in in, in all honesty, it's it's going to turn out okay. The weirdest thing about the, you know seeing the ads for it is now I cannot get it out of my head that the Scarlet Witch is the younger sister to the Olsen twins. <laughs> that just weirds me out. I can't, I can't get it out of my head that in uh, in a movie that came out less than a year before Scarlet Witch was married to Pietro. Yeah, that's that's very true. But you know, is that you right? All... Yeah, because they played husband and wife in the Godzilla. Godzilla movie. No way, really. Yeah, I did not know that. That goes to that that Quicksilver Scarlet Witch incest thing. I was about to say somebody was reading Ultimates three. That was so bad. <laughs> That was one of the worst Ultimates things. You know, I, I have a hard time hating anything that Jeff Loeb does. So even though some of it's awful. Uh, did, did you read, uh, what was the one with the, uh, oh, damn, I can't remember. The, the one where, where the blob eats the Scott. Uh, the wasp. That was Ultimatum. That was the. Wasn't that Jeff Loeb also? Yeah, that was Loeb. Yeah. That was, I, uh... that was possibly the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah, it, it's funny. He's a weird guy because he 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 sits there and he talks about how horrified he was that Mark Miller had Hank Pym spray Janet with bug spray, and then he has the blob eat her, and uh, say tastes like chicken. There's a there's a cognitive dissonance there that that is uh, pretty freaking epic. But uh, the he he did one. He, he kind of kept me going for Superman for about three years when. That uh, that whole line of books started kind of going downhill. So, <laughs> and I love his Hulk. And uh, well, he's definitely done some things that I love, but not everything. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's weird because that that was a. Uh... Who are you talking about? Jeff Loeb. You know, writer of such fine feature films as Commando and Teen Wolf. <laughs> Commando is a fine film. I think I, you know, I'd I'd have to, I guess, look him up and do a little inventory. But just off the top of my head, I think I've liked more of his stuff than I than I've disliked. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was one of the the main driving forces behind Heroes. So that that. uh, Yeah, Yeah, he he was. Although I'm not sure if he was involved in the very, very beginning. Uh, He may have come into it a little later. Yeah. He was he was there in the first season because Tim Kring, the guy that created Heroes, one of his first big writing gigs was Teen Wolf 2. Bloody. And he set Jeff and his and Jeff's writing partner kind of helped him get the script together. So apparently he and Tim Kring took this huge walk where Tim laid out what Heroes was going to be. 
Uh, so he was kind of there from the beginning, and then you know the the show started doing badly, and NBC fired him. Um, well, that, but that now, first season of Heroes was to me one of the best seasons of a show. I just did. I it was I really good. It was it was really engaging. Uh, it, it it had that quality that you you know they always ended where you really wanted to see the next episode, like you kind of had to. And uh, right. I haven't I haven't watched beyond that, so I don't know how the second or third season ended up. I just recently watched through the entire original, um, in preparation for the comeback. And then I was watching the comeback. The only, the sole episode I have not watched is the final episode because um, right about the time they were releasing the final episode, there was the news story that this is apparently it. They are, they are, they pulled the plug and there's never going to be any more of it. And that just broke my heart. And I was like, fuck, you know, after, after getting, you know, reinvested so heavily in the thing to know that, you know, once I watch that episode, that's all there's ever going to be just kind of upset me. But uh, it has its ups and downs and it does meander um, badly, which is why I, I originally dropped the show. Um, and I'm trying to remember what season I dropped it in because it ran five seasons. Um, so, you know, I, I won't argue that it's, you know, it's always great and flawless and everything, but at the same rate, um, I felt like watching it in its entirety was, you know, was worthwhile. I really did enjoy it. And honestly, my only real regret is when they did pull the plug originally, um, they were right in the middle of a storyline that ends on a really interesting um, cliffhanger. And then they pulled the plug. And then when the new one came back, the heroes reborn, you know, it was, you know, all these years later after the original series, they don't pick up anything other than, you know, certain characters come back. And the big the big thing that happened at the end of the original show is referenced. But, you know, none of the story elements, you know, none of the plot threads are picked back up. So, you know, the thing with the circus and all the, you know, all those people and basically anything that was going on in the prior series is all dropped in favor of following um, you know, the horn drip glasses dude and, and his new mission, his new quest, um, which essentially comes down to finding out what happened to his daughter, the, you know, the cheerleader. And right. that was interesting, but it also had a certain, you can't go home again quality to it only because while they got back a lot of the original characters without Claire, making Claire kind of the focus of the show, but then not actually having that actress come back to play the role or not. They didn't even recast it. She just simply was not in the show, but making her the focus of the show, I thought was a real mistake because it was glaringly obvious that, well, we can't use this actress because, you know, because she's not coming back. So, let's set up this weird mysterious mystery of where is she and then eventually it was revealed oh she had passed away and it's like wait 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 she was an immortal well not immortal but she couldn't die essentially and now you're telling me she died and she died in a very mundane way so while they tried to pull it all together and i give them an a for effort it didn't quite work but they did do some interesting things. They did some really cool wonky time travel stuff that actually was really cool. 
So they made an attempt to kind of replace Claire with other characters and stuff. So, I mean, you know, like I say, A for effort. I'm just not sure it, it totally um, it totally succeeded. But in the long run, still glad that I watched it. I, I really did enjoy it. The The original series, though, the, the first five, you know, if you can get over the fact that it ends, you know, it just ends. And you're on a complete cliffhanger when it ends. You know, if you can get over that, I would say, you know either go back and, and rewatch it or, or pick it up where you left it off originally. Cause it, it's still worth watching. I, I thought it was good. It was good, but I did think it was diminishing returns as it went on. Like I thought the first season, again, I thought that was one of the single best seasons of a show that I saw. Right. I really enjoyed it. Second right. season, not quite as good as that. Third season, not quite as good as that. And it just kind of went down a little bit each season. Did you watch? Did you watch it all the way through? I watched it to the end. I oh, have okay. not watched this recent Heroes Reborn though. Okay, because I, I was going to argue that you know it, it is, and I agree with you. It's diminishing returns, but I thought that basically there was the there was you know peaks and valleys. That essentially it started on a high, had some real valleys, but then it kind of ended on a high too. And I, I guess you don't feel the same way, but I, I did. I I thought that. Toward the end of the original run, I thought that they regained a lot of their original momentum and a lot of their original, um, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, just storytelling. I did think it was a lot better. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the characters that they cast, too, or, you know, the actors that they cast. Because while I wasn't nuts about the, um, the story, you know, the circus storyline, um, you know the the characters that they had and the and the actors they cast to play them, I thought worked really well because they had Ray Park um, was the speedster. He he was really good. Ray, I always like Ray Park. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything I didn't like him in. And I can't remember for the life of me now the actor who played the the leader of the of the circus freaks. But I liked him. He was really charismatic, and I liked his character. And kind of where they were going, but unfortunately, you know, when when that season ends, the series ends, and you never get any more. So his whole story arc was completely unresolved, mm-hmm. which was a real shame. But it's it's not, and it's not that it wasn't you know worthwhile. It's just again, it went from being one of the <coughs> best seasons of of any show that I've seen. You know, it just couldn't maintain it. That's all. Right. It was still good. It just wasn't at that level. Right. That's uh, that's my take on it. The first season, like I said, I found it enthralling. I was all over it. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Such is life. So back to Jeff Loeb, though. Uh, I really, I, I really <laughs> did like that Red Hulk storyline that you mentioned, Mike. So if they didn't, if they don't want to do it in the comics, I wish they'd do a, uh, you know, a, a, what you call it, an animated feature on. <laughs> Because I think it was very uh, that was another one that was very engaging when it, when it was going on. It um, <coughs> I didn't like it at first, and then once it was pretty much over, I, I found a lot on eBay that was like super cheap, and I'm like, ah, what the hell, you know? Let's let's give it a shot. And let's be fair, and everything's I- better when it's super cheap. Well, this is true, but I just, once I got over myself, I just got completely sucked into the story. And I'm like, you know, a lot of this is big, dumb fun. I mean, the Defenders versus the Offenders. I love that. But 
that team he put together and the emotional underpinning and, and the whole thing with Doc Samson and the reasons that Thunderbolt Ross was doing what he was doing and the very idea of the intelligentsia being all the smart villains of the Marvel Universe teaming up and saying, we're going to save the world because you people haven't done it yet. You know, it was just... It was pretty epic. I mean, and he killed one of the super apes, which I'm totally behind because I hate the red ghost in the super apes. <laughs> I don't know why. I've just never liked those characters. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I, you know, talk to Stephen Lacey. But, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, forgot, I already lost my train of thought here. I, I always thought they were dumb, but just. You know the idea of killing an animal. I don't know. <laughs> just, it, 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 and I'm not a big activist or anything, but just I don't know. It it, it bothered me a little. Well, you're, you're talking to the guy that is literally incapable of playing those hunting video games. I can't do it. I tried once. I can't do it. It's not in me. I don't know why. It just isn't. <laughs> it's it's really weird. So yeah, it just I, it just seemed you know to have that in in a. In a, in a comic, I don't know. The cruelty to animals thing bothers me. Just that aspect of it. But, uh, I mean, it was it was an exciting story. And it did exactly... It did everything you want in a comic. And I understand why some people didn't like it. Uh, I, I, I get that. Because, you know, I, I, I've been disappointed in stuff too. But at the same time, geez, it was just... It was a good Hulk story after a you know a pretty good stretch of good Hulk stories. I mean, I I think Planet Hulk went on too long, but I still liked it. And I thought World War Hulk, World War Hulk was never going to end well just because of what the type of story it was. You know, the idea of the Hulk going crazy and like trashing um trashing all of you know like new york city and beating up a bunch of heroes that's great there's no ending to that that's going to be satisfactory Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was the century at the time bothered me but recently i sat down thanks to the marvel unlimited app which is one of the greatest things that mankind has ever created i uh i i think when it all is said and done it's going to be like the invention of the wheel the invention of electricity us going to the moon and the Marvel Unlimited app. <laughs> uh, I love this. How thing can I so argue much. with that? Uh, I, I read all of like Bendis's New Avengers run from the beginning to just after Secret Invasion, and suddenly I was I was on board with that. In a really for a really, you know, no one's more surprised than me. <laughs> I never I thought Secret I was going to. I didn't like the ending of it, but I did like Secret Invasion. Well, that's because I like Bendis, but he can't stick the landing sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's a weird thing to say, but it's it's true. He really has a hard time. Like, House of M was the same way. It was a great concept, but at the end of the day, you know, where are you going to go with that? You know, it could only end with basically almost everything being put back the way it was. So I just uh, I, I just think that if if you're gonna do a concept like Red Hulk, you, you you go all in, and he went all in on it. And when it was revealed that it was Thunderbolt Ross, I was totally okay with that. 
I was pulling for Glenn Talbot, though. You know, all things being equal. You know, I, I, one of the things that I know is kind of a, a one of those weird sticklers for some people, and I'll admit, I, I, it was kind of for me as well, that I, I thought was super dumb, was the fact that it was Ross, and when he would become the Red Hulk, his mustache would disappear. But then I, I was reading, oh God, what was it? It had to be an early issue of, of Thor, you know, A Journey into Mystery. And originally, um, what was his name? Calvin Sabo or whatever his name was. Mr. When Hyde? he was, huh? Mr. Hyde, right? Yeah, Mr. Hyde. When he was the doctor, he had a goatee. And when he became Mr. Hyde, it, it was like absorbed in. So there is precedent for that in the Marvel universe way back in the earliest, you know, uh, Lee and Kirby stuff. So it was kind of surprising for me to, to learn that and see that. But, you know, there it is. So that never bothered well, me, the disappearing cool. mustache. It was like, uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem that important to me. The Well, and, and, more to the point, and what I think is kind of funny is that no one really talks about the fact that, hey, where? Why does Ben Grimm have a full head of hair when he turns back from the thing? And then when he turns right, yeah, into the that's, thing, that always bothered me. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably the, the only one, but that that uh, that no, didn't used to bother me when I was. That's a kid. that was Loeb's argument when people would bring up the the hair thing. Was that, well, what happened here? And you know what? He's kind of got a point. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah in, in a weird way. So I just um, I just think that we're, we're at a point with these characters. And the Hulk especially. The Hulk. I've been thinking a lot about the Hulk lately. The Hulk is one of those things where they've done pretty, almost everything they can really do with him. You know? Like, he, you know, they went through, like, the initial permutation, and then they, they, they had the, you know, smart banner, dumb Hulk, and then Byrne had his brief run where he was trying to do something, but that was so short-lived that it never went anywhere. And then Peter David took him through, like, 16 iterations, uh, which isn't a complaint. I love that stuff. And then... Burn came back and tried to do something with him, but that didn't. T- I don't know if you guys ever read Burn's six issues of the Adjectiveless Hulk series from 1998. Um, wasn't really all that good. Uh, but then you know Paul Jenkins came on, and then Bruce Jones had his run, which started out super strong, and then just didn't end well. Uh, but uh, I understand largely that was editorial. And then you had Planet Hulk, and then you had Red Hulk. I mean, it's just like, where do you take this character from there? Because the the kind of like standard status quo doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, the fact that he was able to take the Hulk and do something different with him, I think, you know, I, I think he deserves a little bit more credit than he gets for it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I I enjoyed that run. Like I said, I, 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 I was pretty much my biggest complaint about the whole Red Hulk run was that you really needed to read it in trade because it was very decompressed, 
and you know you'd read an issue and you you know you were done in four minutes. I'll agree with that. No, I'll I'll totally agree with that. I'll 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 agree that it was one of the it, it's the reason why I think it worked so well for me is because I was reading it in a uh, all at once. So it wasn't like I was reading it as, as the book was coming out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to a certain extent, I cheated. I guess it's the best way to say. It. <laughs> well, you know, but I, I think I think of 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 all the stories we could point to, it's one of the ones to me which is almost most clearly written for a you know written to be read in chunks. It's not. It really wasn't written to be released on a monthly basis because it, it was too light and it, and it needed you know you needed to have some several issues at a time otherwise you just felt unsatisfied as you finished it but once it came out in the trades and you were reading six issue chunks at a time then, then it was very entertaining are you guys what are you guys are you guys reading any new books uh not much i, I read the last few or the first couple issues of the most recent doctor strange series that's not bad I was saying uh, just last week we were talking about it. My my biggest criticism is you, you read it and if you took the lines that Doctor Strange is saying and just had them come out of Tony Stark's mouth with Robert Downey Jr. playing him, it would seem natural. Doctor Strange yeah. isn't supposed to talk like Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. So that's the only thing about it that bothers me. The story's entertaining. Just I, I just don't know where this character's coming from now. A new comic shop has opened up in my area. And they actually bought fixtures from Office Depot, which is how I learned that they existed. And I've been, I have a small box there while I decide if I want to completely abandon my store. But to be fair, Jared, the guy that owns this place, really wants my business because he is constantly like, uh, I helped them load up the fixtures because I had nothing else going on that night because the store is closing and it's pretty depressing. So why not help a couple guys and talk comics while I'm doing it? And the first time I walked into his store, uh, he and his partner like were like, hey, how's it going? Oh, hey, do you want this? And they handed me a hardcover, a Superman hardcover. They're like, we, wanted, we just wanted to thank you for helping us. So I'm like, okay. You've got my attention. And then, Scott will appreciate this, he gave me the Neil Adams promotional poster for the new Superman series he's doing. He's just like, yeah, you're a Superman guy. You want this poster? I'm just like, hell yeah, I want a promotional poster. <laughs> so, But uh, I started picking up Supreme Squadron Supreme. I read the first issue of that. It's an interesting concept. Have you heard anything about this, Scott? No. I mean, I read the original Squadron Supreme, but... Basically, it is a Squadron Supreme composed of different members from different versions of the Squadron Supreme that have all lost their worlds thanks to Secret Wars. So they're all together. So you got the Hyperion that was running around Avengers that you liked so much. And you've got the Nighthawk from the Supreme Power series... You've got a character from DP7. Uh, huh. It's it's really weird. And they're basically 
they're going to save the Marvel Universe whether the Marvel Universe likes it or not. In the you first... know, this sounds a lot like, um, did you ever read, um, oh God, what the hell was the name of that book? Oh, shit. Um, it was an X-Men title, or peripherally. Well, you talking about the... Uh... Exiles, yeah. Yeah, it sounds somewhat similar because... In the later issues of that, they did similar things where they brought in like Spider-Man 2099, Longshot, and um, uh, but that made you happy. And oh yeah, and and they were kind of going on a romp through um, alternate worlds of the DC or excuse me, the Marvel Universe, like New Universe. They went all through New Universe and and stuff like it was. That was really cool. It sounds somewhat similar, and I remember. Um, What's his name? Hyperion. Several different versions of Hyperion um, were in that uh, in that story or in that book as well, because they had like good Hyperion and then evil Hyperion, and yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, so it this, sounds this, similar. So yeah, that kind of piques my interest. Well, the, the first course of action they take in this one was a very very violent act that you would probably probably appreciate knowing your take on this character. Mike, why don't you tell them a little more about that? <laughs> Oh, they Namor obliterated a, a world during Secret Wars, so they took his right. head off. They literally took his head off. They killed oh. Namor. They killed him and they decapitated him. Nice. So, I'm all for that. Uh, Hyperion is about to get his own series, as is Nighthawk. Um, but it's it's a really good book. Like I'm really engaged with it, and. I was shocked because I, you know, I thought, you know, like new comics are pretty much almost completely dead to me. And now I'm, I'm starting, I've picked up, I haven't read them yet, but I've picked up a couple issues of the all new, all different X-Men because it's Mark Wade. So, right. you know, that, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's an interesting, you know, I like him. I like the Cuberts. Um, and I've heard good things about the new Captain Marvel series. So, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. It, like I may start buying new comics on a regular basis again, um, and like them, uh, which will be a nice change of pace. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been a weird couple of years not having that. But no, I would recommend it. Uh, you know, if you know if you want to wait till it comes to the app, I, I I wouldn't blame you. But you know, when it does, when the like the first couple issues hit, give it a shot because. It's James Robinson writing with Leonard Kirk, hmm. uh, who drew Supergirl for a what long time. And then... Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Shut up! What are you watching? I was going Horn. through... Hey, look at that. I did it. I was going through this thing that said, uh, can you name all 50 of these 80s movies by a single image? And... Uh, <laughs> I sure as hell did, hundred percent. Well, somebody had an eBay thing go off. I think at one point. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> I know that sounds. I well. lost. <laughs> I lost. Fucking eBay. <laughs> oh well. That's all right. If I didn't lose occasionally, I'd be I'd be flat friggin' broke because I bid on shit all the time. <laughs> I usually bid with the uh, with the thought, well, there's not a chance in hell I'm going to win this, so why not? But every once in a while that pays off, but generally not. I don't remember the last time I bid on an eBay auction, actually. 
Really? <sighs> no, just hasn't been my thing for quite a while. It it really depends on what I'm looking for. I pretty much refuse. I mean, I'll, I'll do it like every once in a while if I'm out, and you know, like like this Wednesday, Professor Allen's coming to Atlanta for a conference, and we're gonna have dinner, and I'm gonna take him to the Book Nook. Um, because it has cheap books, so uh, I think Oxford it's name of the game just, for Professor Allen. Yeah, but uh, you know, I may pick up something there, but I I, I don't pay full price for trades anymore. <laughs> You know, between in-stock trades and eBay, there's really no excuse. Yeah. You, you can find it cheap. And especially Marvel stuff of a certain era. Like, a lot of the trades from the mid two, like the mid-2000s are all flooding the market because of borders going out of business. So now you have all these people sitting on a crap ton of Marvel trades. Then they're selling them for like five, ten bucks a pop. So and they're hardcovers too. So these things were originally twenty five, thirty bucks. So uh, though though I, I did splurge a little at the comic shop the other day, I, I picked up all of the Heroes Reborn trades because they were half off, and I figured yeah, fifteen bucks is good enough for thirteen issues. That's uh, it's almost a dollar an issue. That works for me. Well, yeah, twelve. That's, that's pretty fair. So, but and they're nice. It's really funny though. The Cap one has the Liefeld Cap. And the Fantastic Four has the cover to the first issue of Fantastic Four. And the Iron Man one has the first, you know, the cover to the first issue of that Iron Man series. And the Avengers one has a Jim Lee cover from, like, issue seven. <laughs> hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not really believing in that Liefeld cover for this one, are you guys? <laughs> Somebody in the marketing department said Jim Lee sells, so that's what we're going with. But that's the weird thing. I was at Walmart and I was walking by their little collectibles section where they sell like they got trading cards and sleeves and you know the Funko Pop vinyl figures and stuff. They had these X Men things that are the, like this little collectible game that has Jim Lee artwork on it. And then it hit me. That was 25 years ago that that first issue hit the stands. Wow. And they're using that as their market, like their their merchandising art. That's really weird. Wait, <laughs> of which series now? The the Jim Lee X-Men, Adjectiveless X-Men oh, series. Oh, okay, that one. All right. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Jim Lee Superman. I'm like, damn, that couldn't have been that long ago already, could it? <laughs> no, but... You switched yeah, gears on me. I'm sorry. I completely... You know, it's really funny. I completely refuse to buy any merchandise with the Jim Lee Superman yeah, it's, on it. Uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. It's funny you say that because I have the same stance. I'm like, really? This is, this is what they want to rip? Okay, whatever. They got some nice. They've got some good, solid stuff. Uh, I was talking to to my friend uh, E, who is in data management, mm -hmm. and she was telling me that since DC has moved to LA, they've streamlined their digital asset structure, and this is why you're seeing a lot of the cool stuff you're seeing now, because it's all under one house, and they're all using the old merchandising art. So a lot of the Jose, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez stuff. So you're going to see a lot of that stuff hitting the market uh, in the next year or so. I'm good with that. So, so you know, like all that stuff you see at Hobby Lobby, that's classic. 
Some uh, nice stuff. That place is going to run me to the fucking poorhouse, man. Yeah, if they didn't fuck my wife over, I'd probably shop there. <laughs> the only, well, the only you know, reason... You don't have to... I'm sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was say, the only reason I haven't gone broke with all the stuff like that, and I don't have a Hobby Lobby here, but I have, you know, sim- similar things you can buy. And the only reason they haven't really uh, broken me is because I just don't have wall space to hang all that crap up anymore. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm out of space myself. But, you know, no, Mike, I mean, you don't have to necessarily, you know, if you, if you don't want to shop with them, go to, um, like, Kirkland's. Kirkland's has a lot of the same stuff. Um, if you have a Kirkland's near you, um, no, but there, there's a lot of places. Look, even Target is starting to sell yeah. those wooden cover things. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Did you I, see the post somebody somebody posted the other day? They tagged me and Shag in it. Um, but there was a post somebody posted it for five bucks. They got one of those things, and it was that classic uh, Perez JLA cover. Let me see if I could tell you the exact. Oh yeah. One. Yeah. It's where oh, like, yeah. that wasn't, that wasn't the hardwood one. That's, that's kind of the canvas one. That's right. Yeah. That's... The one like a, yeah, but it's, it's like a little, like I would guess maybe like a, like a five by, no, not five by seven, maybe like a, I don't know. It's like slightly smaller than a comic cover, but I, about five years ago, or so Walmart during back to school season had this whole selection of DC notebooks and journals and t-shirts and posters. And that Perez cover was one of them. Mm-hmm. So you could buy like a composition book with, uh, with that on it. The one that I bought like multiple copies of was they put out like a bunch of notebooks and, and diaries and stuff and folders with the cover to Adventures of Superman number 424. Yeah. That, that Ordway cover. And I'm just like, they put Ordway on a notebook. I'm buying this shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I'm, I'm just glad to see more of that sort of thing coming along. But yeah, Is they it... had a t-shirt and a poster of that cover out around that time. There's a t-shirt <laughs> you need, Scott. Yeah. Big time. I've been trying to get anything that they come out with that has Marvel Star Wars on it. And even that's been tough to keep up with because they have put out a lot of that stuff. Yeah, like, I, I I've I've been seeing it. Like Target's got a lot of new a lot of new Star Wars shirts recently. Yep. Uh, that are pretty nice. And and around the time of Force Awakens, Walmart had a crap ton of Star Wars shirts as well. Uh, I don't think they were as good as the one at, at Target, but you know, that, isn't that isn't that kind of the way of it? That Target kind of has the nicer version of something you can find at Walmart, right? So, well, the really but, funny thing is, uh, it, it seems like the bulk of that Marvel Star Wars apparel that's coming out currently is marketed for women, which I find very strange because there's been several. Um, really nice shirts. I'm like, oh damn, I love that. And then I realize, oh, that's for a girl. That's not surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the that demographic is really, you know, they're, they're wanting their money. So, right. <laughs> it, but at the same rate, I would think that they would make something that was a bit more, I don't know, girly. I I don't know. But the big thing to me is that, you know, when you see like classic, um. Carmine Infantino Star Wars 
on something that is clearly marketed for a woman. I don't see women as particularly enamored of, you know, of Infantino Star Wars, you know, but, you know, some of your star uh, hardcore Star Wars guys, you know, might really go for something like that. So I don't know. It's just it's weird that they they're really pushing that stuff for the girls clothes, but I'm seeing precious little of it for the guys clothes. I really don't understand that particular push. Oh, excuse me. But, you know, I, I at the same rate, I have seen, you know, a, a decent amount of it for the guys as well. I just wish there was more of it. But they, they've had some really, you know, some really cool stuff. Um, but do, that, do they have uh, the Infantinos, like with the deformed Darth Vader head? Shut up. <laughs> I want the one where it looks like he's playing with his action figures. Yeah, I like that. I have seen a t-shirt of that. I don't own that particular one, but I have seen that one around. But at, at the moment, I you know just because of the pure glut, you know, I, I've been feeling a bit of Star Wars fatigue when it comes to you know all the Star Wars merch that's out there. But I'm still on the lookout for the for the Marvel. You know, I've kind of narrowed my focus to you know the Marvel Star Wars stuff. So when I see something, you know that. You know, from that, that's you know really catches my eye. Then I'm still interested in that, but the rest of the stuff, not so much, just because there's it's, there's just been a crazy, ridiculous amount of it, and uh, you know, I was never really all that crazy about the the merch for the new movie to begin with, and then you know, I've always been kind of particular when it comes to you know merch for the even for the original ones, but I'm I'm still crazy to get the stuff for the marvel star wars i'm loving those um wall art things that they've been putting out for them but damn they are hard to find in this area i know that there's there's still several more that exist that i haven't been able to track down yet because they did one for um issue 13 which was the burn cover the one where chewie is uh is throttling luke and and c-3po and I really want that, but I cannot find the damn thing. I know it exists. I just can't find it anywhere. But they did a number of them, uh, you know, of the early um, covers as, you know, those those wooden, I, I don't, you know, they call them different things. I usually just end up calling them wall art. I'm not really, that's part of the problem in trying to search those things online is everybody seems to call them something different, you know, they're wooden posters or wall art or whatever but you know nobody seems to have like one universal thing that everybody calls them so but i've been keeping an eye out for them i've, I've nabbed a couple of them at kirkland's we we have no kirkland's here no really we are kirkland less huh trying to think where else i've seen those things besides hobby lobby and i know i've seen them other places i'm just at the moment, the only I'm, thing I can think of is Kirkland's and Michael's occasionally will get those types of things, but not near as much. Yeah. And Joanne's kind of gets some of like, like if you're looking for fabric, that's where yeah. you want to go for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause Rachel had me go there and I had to wait for the line to get her some fabric. And I was looking through and I was like, Jesus, there is a lot of star Trek, star Wars and star Trek fabric in this place. <laughs> Somebody has got to make Scott a homemade pair of long john or uh, pajamas or something. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, 
No, I, I've just I've been kind of impressed with Target uh, in their entertainment section putting up like the they got a Star Wars section and a Marvel section and a DC section and they've got all kinds of stuff. I found the most badass Superman wallet ever. Um, it's a silver and black metal S on the leather wallet, and it's oh, it's wow. actually. It's it's a functional wallet, and and my problem is is that there's a bunch of comic book wallets out there, but they look like something a little kid would carry. And while I'm a little kid at heart, I want something that looks like you know an adult would carry it, you know. So, but they've got a Batman and a Superman one, and they're really nice. I snapped it up because I didn't think I was ever going to find it again. Turns out it's pretty much everywhere. Of course, I've got two targets within. 15 minute driving distance of my house. So because everything Peachtree city, I mean, Fayetteville has Peachtree city has to have, um, apparently Zaxby's too. Cause I've got, there's like, do you guys get, do you, do you got Zaxby's up in New York, Paul? No, not that I'm aware of at least. Okay. Are they down in Florida, Scott? Oh yeah. Okay. Not, not as prolific down here as they are in, uh, in Georgia, but yeah, we have them. There's seven in this county. <laughs> seven. I I don't understand it. I don't get it. Why why do we need seven Zaxby's? <laughs> you and know what I heard the other day that was extremely disturbing to me is that apparently they're they're tearing down the dwarf house. The the um um the one in Fayetteville. Shit, I'm trying to think of the the what is it the um the chicken plate Chick Fil A the Chick Fil A yeah. there in Noonan that has the dwarf house they're tearing it down. That's really weird because that's a newer Chick Fil A. That's where oh, we had it? breakfast. Yeah, I know we had breakfast there that one time. But yeah, there uh, uh, I met this guy that um, does real estate in that area. And just struck up a conversation with him, and he was basically filling me in. Uh, he's like, because I, you know, I, I saw that he was from Noonan, and I was like, hey, you know, I moved here from from Carrollton. And he's like, oh, and then you know, we struck up this conversation. He's like, so you know, how long ago did you move down here? And I was telling him, and so he was basically giving me all the history on the, you know, since I moved down here, you know, whether I wanted it or not, kind of thing, but. Somehow or other, the conversation turned to uh, to that dwarf house, and he was like, "Yeah, they're tearing it down, and they're going to be, uh, you know, putting up a new one that's going to have multiple like drive-through lanes and all this crazy stuff." Because apparently, they really do the business right there. So it sounds like they're going to get a, a you know a bigger place and all that. But you know, just that that dwarf house thing was just so damn cool. It was so nicely themed and all that. So I got one in Fayetteville. Um... We we haven't eaten there in years, but the the one of the Chick Fil A's that's been around forever in Peachtree City is getting torn down and rebuilt. So I think that's that might be something they're doing with like the older stores is uh, rebuilding them to uh, kind of modernize them. Maybe I don't know. I I don't really eat Chick Fil A anymore. So, um, but man, there's like fifty of them in this county. So. <laughs> <laughs> They, they've just they've just started having them in New York, so I, I have yet to eat one ever. Um, do you like chicken sandwiches? Yes, I do. Okay, 
my favorite thing when I ate them to do was to actually get a couple of the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches and stick them in the fridge and then eat them later cold. I, I thought they were better that way, actually. Uh, but they're tasty. Uh, if someone tells you that they have the best biscuits in the world, they're liars. Uh, because every time I've eaten a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit, the biscuit was so damn doughy that I, I felt like I was choking. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Have you ever eaten at PDQ? I don't think we have any of those up here. They, I don't know if they're if they're just uh, a local chain or something new that's popped up or what, but we have one um, not far from us up in Sanford, and my wife's addicted to that place. It, it's it's really good. They they probably have the best, um, you know. Just uh, I'm trying to think of what you would call it. It's not like fried chicken. It, it, you know, it's like strips. You know, like chicken strips, but they're uh-huh. it, it's the way they cook them. You know, I'm sure it's not any healthier for you than, say, you know, KFC or Chick-fil-A or anything like that. But it, the way they cook it, it, it gives the illusion that it's a, like a much um, healthier, you know, it's not like uh, doesn't have that like crispy deep fried thing. To, they're like nice and, you know, just nice and tender and all that. But it ain't uh, worth it's eating. just what's that? Then it ain't worth eating. I want that crispy deep oh, fried no, taste. You, no, you got to you got to you got to try these. It's 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 something else. They're, we've they uh, we've no, been going to Popeyes for our fried chicken. Oh yeah, and they're like we had never eaten there. Like it's been it's been in Fayetteville for years, and we had always gotten KFC, and we just got to the point where we hated it every time we ate at KFC. It's like all the food sucked, and then one yeah. day we just tried Popeyes, and I was just like, "Damn, this is good." <laughs> This is some, I, I, I usually get the chicken strips. Um, if I'm feeling frisky, I'll get the spicy ones, but my acid reflux really doesn't like me later on. So, uh, KFC but, breaks my heart because I, you know, I, I grew up on KFC chicken. I love their chicken, but we only have one in this area, and they suck. Because I went not long ago because they have that commercial on TV for that new chicken. They have the the. Was it the um, Nashville Hot or whatever? I thought, ooh, that sounds really good. So I went and I got some. And it was crazy expensive. And then I got it home and I'm looking at the chicken and I'm like, Jesus, this chicken died of cancer or something. It just, there was nothing to it. There was like no meat on the bone at all. It was terrible. And for what you pay for it and everything, and, you know, it was was tough. It had been like it was under the the sun lamp too long. You know, it was just... And it's like that every time I go there. It's like, you know, I, I put months between visits, and I guess I forget how terrible it was the last time. <laughs> so I'll go back, and then it's like, eh, it still sucks, you know? So, yeah, that was, that was pretty It was like me and Cadbury eggs. Every, every year I would get a Cadbury egg thinking, God, it's got to be good this year. And then I rem- and then when I bite into it, I remember, oh, God, this sucks. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> The thing about KFC for me is those what I believe to be false stories that have been going around uh, about like somebody finding a, a fried rat in their KFC. That that's those have been going around since I was a little kid. But ever since I heard no those charge. stories, I could never eat KFC. <laughs> no extra charge, sir. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm sh- you know I'm sure they're totally false because because you know. It's one of those stories where everybody knows somebody who's had that happen, but nobody can tell you who the person is who it happened to. 
So, oh my God, you just you just posted the Java Lad beanbag chair. Oh, that's awesome, Doctor Bill. <laughs> Even when he's not with us, he's always thought of. You know, this is almost like Comics Monthly Monday because we've talked comics and we've talked movies, and now we're talking food. There you so go. it's it's Comics Monthly Bins. <laughs> comics Monthly Bins. There you go. That works. <laughs> and it is a little bit. It is a return to my original Back to the Bins uh, crew. When, when it was the three of us doing it. So I enjoy that. I, I, I will recommend, if you hate your body, uh, the Quesalupa. <laughs> Is that from Taco, Taco Bell. Bell? Yeah. I don't uh, set foot into Taco Bell. Well, go through the drive-thru. What? Um, oh, no. I do not eat Taco Bell. It's barely food, but every once in a while I get a hankering for it. I have no idea why. Like On the last day I was at the store... Back in October, we got Taco Bell, and I had one of their quesaritos, uh, and it was pretty tasty. Um, but the the quesalupa is 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 a uh, I don't advise eating it fresh because it's so damn greasy. Um, what the hell it, was that? We got royalty coming. What's going on? <laughs> that's, that's my that's my text alert. It's called show. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man Uh-oh, what are you sending me is it a dirty picture nope no the suspense is killing me <laughs> oh nice what is That's that a mouse <laughs> it's in theory it's it's a deep fried rat <laughs> nice Lies, all lies. One, it wouldn't bread that nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. We are Bidzers. Bum, 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 bum. That will be a uh, a bumper. <laughs> no, really? That's all I am is a big giant bumper for you. Bumper boy. <laughs>